I'm Matt Miller, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers. This is Amy J. And you are listening to Chasing Dreams, episode number 82, which, you know, the higher we get, the more disbelief I have, I think. And so today's episode is a fun one because we're talking about a fun guy who is doing something that I've always been curious about, honestly, when I was in high school. And so we're talking vending machines and we're talking with Matt Miller. Matt's early career was an Air Force pilot and an advertising executive. In 2007, he started his franchise company, School Spirit Vending, which has raised over $4 million for education since inception. SSV, which is, you know, School Spirit Vending, provides a proven and profitable business system for professionals looking to develop secondary income streams. And here's the thing. Matt's not only helping himself chase his dreams. With this, he's actually helping a number of people. And Matt didn't come to me directly. Someone reached out and told me Matt's story. And they were like, do you think I, was, I stopped them and immediately said, I don't know if you know this, Matt. I said, uh, no, you had me at help. He helps people. You had me at help. I'd love to have him on the show. And after I read more about your story, I honestly mean that. Welcome to Chasing Dreams. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Hey, Amy, thanks for having me on. And I got to be honest with you, when I heard that you were in Philadelphia, that automatically endeared me to you because, uh, you know, home of the cheesesteak, I added many a pound when I lived on the East Coast here back in my earlier career up in the Philly area. I can understand why. Yeah, the cheesesteaks here are... Now, did you have a preference? Pat's, Gino's, other? You know, I, I tried them all, and it's been a while, so they all kind of run together. Just the cheesesteak in general just still brings back really good memories. You know, I can't be mad at that. Cheesesteak is my favorite. Um, I'm also technically from... My hometown is Baltimore, so... I agree with you. They all kind of are the same, but don't tell any other Phil Philadelphians that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now, Matt, you had an early career as an Air Force pilot. How long were you in the service? I was in total 13 years. I went to the Air Force Academy for college for four years, and then I was an instructor pilot and pilot for nine. So education is kind of a, a theme here in, in what you do. Has that always been important to you? You know, my parents were both teachers, and they encouraged the four of us kids to to get the best education we could. Uh, they both taught in the public schools for years and years and years. Both were at one point in time or another named teacher of the year in the state of Illinois. So I, I do come from a family of, I guess, overachievers in a way. <laughs> but, but, but that being said, you know, have always wanted to do right by the schools in our area. And course, SSV is what allows us to do that today. And this is the interesting part because, uh, you know, first, congrats to your parents. I'm sure it's been 
years since, but that is a, an amazing feat. And I have the utmost respect for teachers. So kudos to them. Uh, and also, I mean, you go from Air Force pilot, but you didn't go directly to SSV. So, I mean, you had a journey that brought you here. And while it seems education was, was a theme and you have a long history of it, uh, you were also an advertising executive, which doesn't really line up with either pilot or vending machines. Oh, come on, Amy. I'm just Air Force pilot, ad executive, vending machine operator. Isn't that the natural progression anybody would want to follow? I mean, it just seems to make sense when you say it like that. Absolutely. So what did you do as an advertising executive? I'm not actually sure what an advertising executive does. Uh, it's just a fancy name for somebody who sells advertising. <laughs> I, you know, it was I, I've reinvented myself three times in my career and I've learned over the years that I've got about a 10-year attention span, and then I'm ready to move on to something else. So, uh, of course, almost 10 years flying, 10 years ad executive. Now, granted, we've almost been doing SSV for 10 years, but the, the business itself has changed significantly in the last year or so. We're now a franchise. We're now in the process of putting things together to go international as well as uh, grow here in the U.S. So there's a lot of stuff that's constantly changing um, in my world today. So um, I think we'll stay where we're at for a while. Which is an awesome thing to be able to say when you're, especially when you talk about reinventing yourself. And I actually want to talk about that for a moment, if you don't mind, because, you know, when people, as we get older and we're trying to figure out what is right for us, what makes us happy? Are we in that moment? When you went between Air Force pilot to ad exec or even ad exec to the vending machine, what, what brings you to that point where you're, you're ready to move? Is it, how do, how do you feel? Are there signs that other dream chasers might be able to look out for that they could kind of tell themselves, hey, maybe I need to start thinking about something else? Well, let me just give folks advice to start with, if you don't mind, before I answer that question. Too many of us take, take ourselves way too seriously, and we feel like we invested so much time in our, in our education, our college degree or whatever, that we feel like the only way that time was valuable is if we use that in our career. And I would challenge your audience because, yes, we all want to try to use our degree if possible, but there's a lot more in a degree than just whatever that title was or whatever that area of specialty was. You know, I was a history major in school. I have never used history. You know, I flew airplanes. I spent years and, and you know, the government spent millions of dollars to train me to fly. But I was more than willing at the drop of a hat to turn my back on that to do something completely different. So I would challenge your audience that just because you got that degree doesn't mean that you're stuck in that area of expertise for the rest of your life, nor should you only focus in that area when looking for, for career opportunities or whatever. Now, I think we take ourselves too seriously sometime, and because of that, we overlook the opportunities that are right in front of our face because we either... Now, we're too good for that because I got a degree here and now we're talking about this or whatever. Like, like we joked a minute ago, I, I was a pilot. I, I spent a decade in, in the ad sales world and did very, very well. And here I am with vending machines. 
None of that makes any sense at all, except for if you understand the whole idea of passive income and uh, not trading hours for dollars, which I did in both the military and in the advertising space. Even though vending's not real sexy, not real flashy, not real glamorous, the beauty is the machines do all the work once they're placed. And in the process, you have an opportunity to you know, free yourself up for other things. And I'm really glad you talked about that because I think that I think you're absolutely right. I think so many people are willing to suffer rather than pivot that it's it's almost sad. People tell me, oh, I wouldn't do that because I have such and such degree. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing. I got to a point about six years ago that we needed capital so bad. I delivered pizzas at night in my spare time outside of my vending business, outside of my corporate career, outside of all of that, I had to do what I had to do. And if I had not spent that year and a half doing that on nights and weekends down in the Houston area, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have the business that we have today. Now, was it humbling to walk up to people's homes that I knew wearing my cute little Pizza Hut garb and delivering pizzas? Yeah. But you know what? I didn't care what they thought because they weren't providing for my family. I was. And that's a really good point. Sometimes you just have to swallow your pride to do what you have to do. And you did. So why don't why don't we talk a little bit about how you stumbled, if, if it is that actually a stumble or if it was a calculated move to get into vending? I got into a really, really bad place financially after about a year and a half of uh, being in the advertising world. I had ended up being number two in the country out of 750 reps my first year. Part of it was luck. Part of it was, you know, just uh, learning how to be good with people over the years. But anyway, my boss thought I got accolades a little too quickly. The next year, she ended up increasing my quota over 90%. Now, the average quota increase in the office at the time was 5 to 10%. So overnight, I went from being a hero to a zero because – I was given a number that it was near impossible to reach. And since a large percentage of my income was based on commission and bonus, that put my family in a huge hole. So I realized real quick, looking at the comp plan, that I was going to have to do some things on the side in order to um, get out of the hole we were in. I sold aluminum cans for a while. I sold used books online through Amazon and Half.com and several other well-known websites. I did a little bit of everything, but I had read Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, along the way and bought into his whole idea of making money while you sleep or, or what he called passive income. So everything that I was doing, I was measuring against that. And it was a good buddy of mine from church one Sunday that mentioned he and his young daughters had bought some gumball machines And that is what sparked the idea of of vending. You know, a gumball is only a quarter. And the hole we were in was going to take a lot of gumballs to get us out. But the margins on gumballs are very high. In fact, at the time, they cost two and a half cents. They sold for a quarter, thousand percent markup on a gumball. So I knew that it was going to take some work and it was going to be a long process But the beauty of vending, like I mentioned earlier, is the machine does all the selling. So once you get the location established, 
you just come back and take care of the machine every so often, collect the, the quarters or the, or the change, refill when necessary, and move on. So it allowed me to keep my corporate career, which I, I recovered from that second year um, and you know didn't get fired or anything during that process because I needed to be able to provide for my family regardless and wasn't willing just to jump off a cliff cliff and hope that you know the vending business was going to provide for us. So I ended up sticking with that career for about another eight and a half years before I finally decided that I, I couldn't afford to work there anymore. And that's when I walked away completely. Now, I completely understand and, and currently doing it myself, you know, um, working and trying to achieve your dream. And here you're doing a very similar thing. You were, you, you kept your company job, right? Working for that. I'm glad to hear that you rebounded. That It's got to be stressful, though, when you're just trying to take care of your family and you're trying out this venture you're not even sure about. It. It's likely to do well. But what was it like, I mean, in, I guess, checking that first time? You rolled the dice, played, there you are. How are you feeling? Yeah, I, I bought a used candy and gumball machine on eBay for like 35, 36 bucks from a guy across Houston. So I didn't even have to pay shipping. I went to Sam's, got, got the stuff I needed to fill the machine. And then I went about starting to knock on doors. And within a week or so, I found a local karate studio that, that agreed to, for us to set the machine up. So I placed it one one uh, Tuesday, I think it was afternoon. And after two weeks, I was like, man, I have got to see if this thing really works because I had never used vending machines in that way. My kids had never used them in that way. So two weeks into what's normally a four to six to eight week surf, surf cycle, I, I showed up at the karate studio one Thursday night. It was packed with kids in the middle of their classes and went to the machine, put the quarter or the uh, the key in it, and opened the thing up, and quarters spilled all over the floor. And I was wow. like, "Holy smokes, this this actually works!" And and then at that point in time, it was just a matter of okay, so if I can do this in a couple of weeks, and even if you know it's not half this good moving forward, how many machines, how many locations would I need? to make X or Y, and I could slowly start putting a plan together to get us from the hole that we were in to out of debt and potentially, you know, in the future to where I wouldn't have to work for anybody ever again. Which is great, right? Because that's it. You you figured it out, which, by the way, the fact that you did this, I'm like that science person. I was like, where's the data? Where's the the checks and, you, you know, this location and you know, the history and, but you took a chance, quarter spilling out. So now it's just math, right? Everything's copacetic. Figured it out. Well, the thing with vending too, Amy, is you can't get into a lot of those details that it sounds like you're wired for. Mm -hmm. You know, I I have people ask me all the time. So how did you decide was what was a good location and wasn't? That's the whole key. I didn't. I went knocking on every single door in my town and then I let them decide and some of them didn't work out and I moved the machine elsewhere, but most of them did. And to try to figure it all out in advance is futile because there are some locations that I thought there is no way this thing would ever do well there. They, they blew the numbers away. And then others that I thought would be a slam dunk 
didn't do so well. Wow. So o- overthinking things at the front end is the absolute worst thing that you can do. And the beauty of vending is you're not committing your life to, to some location. If it doesn't work out, you pull the machine, you put it somewhere nearby and you move on. Yeah. And it sounds like uh, you made that work. So that's not what you're vending today, though. So I'm curious, did was how do you go from gumballs to where you are now? So after the after you know several years, we had 125 or so locations around the north side of Houston, and then 07 and 08 hit. The market tanked, uh, the economy tanked. Less people were going out and frequenting the locations where I had equipment, and our revenues were down quite a bit. And I was frustrated because I had put a lot of effort into building this route. Well, right around that time, I had several young kids come knocking on my door, selling me stuff for the local schools for fundraisers. Now, what I thought was odd, because I had kids of similar age, is their parents weren't with them. I didn't know who the kids were. So essentially, they were going door to door, selling stuff to raise money for the schools to strangers. And that made me really uncomfortable because of the age my kids were. I was like, man, I wonder if there's any way I can tie what I'm doing in vending with fundraising in the schools and accomplish two things. Number one, get the kids off the street and stabilize my revenues because kids are in school five days a week, nine months out of the year, regardless of the economy. And that's where the whole idea of vending stickers and doing custom stickers for schools with their mascot and their colors and all came from because I I had spent time as an ad ad executive in the print media world. So even though I didn't know how to print stuff myself, I knew the basics of printing and, and the basics of, you know, getting a a design uh, done of something. So I applied what I'd learned in the advertising field to what we were doing and figured out how to get stickers manufactured and, and, had a buddy of mine who was an elementary PE teacher who came by with his wife for dinner one night. I kind of explained to him what I was thinking about doing. And he said, Matt, let me talk to the principal at my school and see if she'd be willing to give this thing a try. And a couple of weeks later, he called me up and he said, hey, you got approval. Bring a machine down. So we figured out how to custom design stickers for his school. We placed a machine in the school and the first month, the numbers were great. The second month, the numbers were even better. The third month, they were off the charts because Jeremy, my buddy who worked at the school, now had some stickers in his office so that he could reload the machine because the the school was about an hour and a half from me at the time. And I knew we were on to something. So we figured out how to start promoting it to other schools. And before you knew it, we had a bunch of others and I had others then reaching out to me, wanting to be a part of what we were doing in their area. I mean, that's fantastic, especially the part where you're using the skills you learned in your job as an ad executive. You know, a lot of people find that, you know, wasted opportunities, but here you are reusing it today. And at that time, when you were making this this transition, were you is that when you left the ad exec job? No, 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 no. I, I didn't leave there until six years ago. And um, so there was so I ended up. Oh, yeah. So I ended up working there for, man, another 
another three and a half years, I guess, before I finally walked away full time because the, the business had grown big enough to where I didn't need the full time income anymore. We moved out into the country, uh, got some acreage outside of Fort Worth and finally had an opportunity to begin to live the life that I had always kind of hoped and, and dreamed for by having control over time and having control over money. Now, was this experience after those first few months with a sticker vending, was it a little bit, did you feel a little bit of a difference between that and when you first opened the gumball vending machine, uh, like a sense of relief or this is this time it's going to be different? Oh yeah, because there's nobody doing what we were doing. So we essentially created a brand new channel. And so it wasn't about competing for locations. It was about educating and helping educators understand a paradigm shift in the way that they raised money for their schools. And once we kind of figured that out, then it was just a matter of, of spreading the word and finding those schools, those people that got excited about what we were doing because our program didn't require any volunteers and, and didn't require the big dog and pony show that a lot of school fundraisers do. And so did you have help? Because to go to these new schools and it, it's got to be tiring checking on the school by school or, you know, Fort Worth is a big place, I'm sure. And I'm sure you're trying to expand to Houston or Texas and all the cities there. Did you do it by yourself or did you expand? Yeah, for the first couple of years, it was just me with my own schools. I, Amy, I was burning the candle at both ends. I was going to say, I you mean, know, you're working at exec job, day job, this. Pizza Hut. I still had my other vending route as well. A father of three active in my church. I mean, I, I was way, way out of balance for there a couple of years there, but, but here's the thing. Mm -hmm. First off, I'm thankful for my wife, for her patience, because I made a lot of stupid mistakes along the way that took us longer to get where we wanted to go because of that. But she was also willing to manage the home front and let me do what I needed to do because we both agreed upon what we ultimately wanted to see out of all this. And it was rough for there for a while, but we knew it was temporary and I had no plans of continuing to burn the candle at both ends forever. And, you know, once again, getting back to the numbers we talked about a little while ago, I could take a look at one location saw what kind of revenue it produced, knew that if I added another one, realistically, I could double that revenue, add another one, triple it, et cetera. And all it was at that point in time was a simple mathematical equation to figure out how much capital I would need to get the equipment and the product, and then how many locations ultimately I would need to make X number of dollars. And so it was just a matter of systematically going out and working the numbers until we found the number of locations necessary for me to be able to walk away. Now, along the way, we started licensing what we were doing to other people through a distributorship model initially. And that's the way we did business for the first seven and a half years. Uh, we had, I don't know, 35 or 40 families that we worked with in about 20 states or so up until seven and a half years in when we finally realized that the only way to expand to other parts of the country 
uh, effectively and quickly was to be a franchise. And so a year and a half ago, we started franchising for the first time. And our team has over doubled in just the last year alone since we made that transition and started finding ways to reach out to other like-minded people who wanted to develop secondary income streams as well. They just maybe didn't know how. And this is the great part about your story, Matt, at least this is what I take from it, mostly because of what the podcast is, is you, you got the kids off the street. You, you're also helping the schools and helping raise money. I mean, how the money that's raised doesn't all go into your pocket, right? So you're giving back to these schools. Is it based on what the school is, that machine at that school? Yeah, the school gets a portion of all the proceeds and it ends up being a win-win all around. Absolutely. So in a, in essence, you're giving back to the school, which is helping fund the minds of other little kids who are getting the education they need. Now, in doing this, as you you seem to evolve naturally, which is amazing, because I know when you talk licensing, it's like, did you know about that? Did you, did you, did you reach out to someone and say, hey, I, this other person wants to do it. What do I do? Like, I called up a friend of mine who was an attorney and I mm. said, Jason, uh, here's what I'm looking to do. What do you suggest? Good call. And <laughs> He helped me draw up an agreement and, uh, you know, we invested several thousand dollars to make that happen. And that was the foundation for the way we did business for, you know, seven and a half years. And then about two and a half years ago, I hired a coach, which is one of the best decisions I ever made in life and in business. Got the name of Aaron Walker and Aaron started looking at what we were doing. And, and as he got to know me, he challenged me because he said, you know, Matt, I'm excited about what you've done, but do you have any idea how many schools there are out there that you're not in yet? And in parts of the country that you're not in, he said, we got to figure out a way how to let these schools know who you guys are. And that conversation led me to getting back with my attorney again, starting to look into different ways of marketing and getting our message out. And when it was all said and done, we realized that the model, the way that was going to allow us to, to accomplish that most quickly and efficiently was as a franchise. So we got busy figuring that process out. I read a bunch of books. You know, I, I had legal and other advice along the way that helped us get where we needed to be. And uh, a year and a half ago, we started franchising and actually had somebody local to me that I'd never discussed business with, but we'd gotten to know each other real well over the years, be our first franchisees. And then things have just kind of snowballed from there. You did a lot of research. And the thing I like about you, which I, I had a feeling is you're not afraid to ask for help and you're not afraid to you know, reach out as evidenced several times in this story. I mean, the fact that you had a, what many would call successful business and you went and got a coach was there a motivation for getting a coach at that time? or I've always believed that the speed of the group is determined by the speed of the leader. And we had kind of stagnated there several years back. Mm -hmm. And I knew that the only way that the group was going to grow and continue to move forward is if I grew, looked at the world differently, and moved forward myself. And so I started attending events on a regular basis investing in me and in my education and in my thought process 
And along the way, I ran into Aaron at a Dave Ramsey Entree Leadership event in Nashville. And we clicked and I walked away from that event thinking, man, this guy is one of the most wise men I've ever met. I've got to find a way to get around him. And a couple months later, I was back in Nashville again and I asked him if he ever thought about coaching. And he was just starting to do that, but he was way out of my league as far as price uh, on a monthly basis at the time. So it took me about six months before I finally got myself financially into a position where I felt I could, quote unquote, take that risk. But it was the best decision I made business wise, probably to, to date, because, you know, professional athletes have coaches, CEOs and corporate executives have coaches. Well, why don't you and I, That's if they can get better question. because of it, then why shouldn't we all have a coach of some kind? Because the reality is we are limited in our views and in our vantage point, and we can only get so big if it's just us and our thought process going into whatever we do. That is a great question and, and one that I think each of us, myself included, have to ask. Now, if we look at today and where you guys are now and how you've grown now franchised for about a year and a half, um, is it time to sit back and relax? Success? You know, I, it's not time to sit back and relax, but we are starting to relax a little bit more than we ever have. You know, a couple of weeks ago for the first time, I started taking Fridays off. So moving forward, forward, my weekends are now Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, my family is doing a lot more traveling than we ever have before. In fact, in all these years, we never, never could get the schedule together or did we have the money to go spring break anywhere? Well, this year for the first time, we're, we're all going and spending spring break together. My two oldest that are in college, we're flying them in from school. My wife and my youngest daughter and I are flying from home out, out to Arizona as well. And we're going to spend nine days together for the first time ever because I don't have to ask anybody if I can take off and we've got the money that we can afford to do that. Whereas, you know, for years and years and years, we just couldn't. Congratulations. That, that is an amazing feat. I mean, we all strive for these things, but the fact that you're at a point where it may not be a hundred percent there, but you know, compared to where you were previously with the multiple jobs, the fact that you can take some time, I mean, Friday's off is a big deal. I don't think people understand. That's huge. Uh, congratulations. That's, I, I'm so happy for you with that. If, you know, if you guys ever come out East Philadelphia or Baltimore or somewhere in between, give me a shout. I'm around. Yeah. Well, I'd love to, I'd really love to Amy. Um, like I said, at the beginning of the interview, I love that part of the country we used to live in Dover, Delaware for three years when I was still in the Air Force, and we would spend weekends either in Philly or in Baltimore all the time and uh, just love that part of the country and haven't been back in a while. Well, you're going to have to plan a trip and keep me in mind for that. I would love to show you guys around, especially if it's Baltimore. Um, but I, I had a question. So the question I had was, you know, now that you're kind of at this point, are there still plans that you have for SSV that you want to implement new steps and integrations? 
Yeah, I mean, several things. First off, like I talked about earlier, the, the whole uh, draw of going international is exciting to me. And, and we're <clears throat> in the process of working towards that over the next year or so, starting in Canada and then some other places. Something else, though, that, that drives me more than anything today is, you know, we've got a platform today with millions of kids having access to our machines every day. And to have them as customers potentially is one thing, but to have an impact on their life in a positive way is something completely different. And so a lot of my focus today is more on helping provide greater value for the kids that are our customers. I was inspired to read as a kid by reading comic books. And I know there's many kids out there today that, that need some inspiration as well. So a couple of years ago, I started a comic book company and hired a couple of young guys, a writer and an artist that were graduates from Baylor, Baylor University. And we started a comic book series that initially showed up in our vending machines. Now we have seven, soon to be eight full length comics. We just wrote our first and published our first full length novel for kids. So that's one thing, no hopefully way. giving back in that way. Love yeah. that. Yeah. I love it. So wait, is it only available in the vending machines? Can we get it online? Is there? Yeah, it's called MarlinAndPercy.com. Uh, Marlin and Percy are a couple of apes that want to be superheroes. And so folks can either go there or they can go to Amazon and just search Marlin and Percy. And all of our stuff is available in ebook or Kindle form today. Uh, we just did a short run of the novel here recently because we've got a school that we're working with north of Denver that um, is in the process of reading our book right now. And we're going to go up, the author and the, the uh, artist and I are going to spend an evening doing a symposium with those kids and their parents, uh, actually one night this next week. And, you know, we're really hoping to be able to give back and do a lot more of that type of thing as time goes on. And the book and the comics give us that platform to, like I said, inspire kids, with wholesome storylines that that are thought provoking, but they also encourage uh, good old American values, which I think we've lost in a lot of cases in our society today. And so, you know, for the parents to go to have some place where they don't have to worry about what Johnny and Susie are reading, and for the kids to have something fun to enjoy as as they're getting excited about learning to read, um, ends up being a win win. I love it. And guys, I will have the links to that in the show notes. Don't worry about it. I've already found it. Uh, this is awesome, Matt. I, you didn't tell me about this. This is, <laughs> this is a great way to find out. I love it. And you know, the fact that it's a dual purpose, right. Is amazing. And I, I wish you all the best with this as well. And so you guys got to check it out. It's actually really cool. Not that I doubted it, by the way, I, I'm just in <laughs> awe of it at this moment, but, uh, you know, Matt, I wish we had more time, but I wanted to, before we wrap up, um, I usually end the show by asking, what is one action that you would tell someone who's chasing their dreams? And for you, especially because you've gone through it. I mean, I'm sure you've had moments where you were like, um, is this worth it? I got to stop. But, you know, because of your family, because of your motivation, uh, you're here today. And that's awesome. And, and especially 
want to ask you, what is one action you would tell someone who's chasing their dream? The biggest thing I would tell folks, Amy, is this. Quit getting ready to get ready to do something. Go do it. The reason why we are where we are today is because I was willing to go and do and learn along the way while many's are, many people out there are still thinking about getting around to doing someday. Guys, the idea you have is never going to be flushed out and you're never going to know if it's viable until you get in the game, till you get in the marketplace, until you give it a try. Our business initially was set up for a completely different audience. And then we learned along the way that that really wasn't a good fit. But if I had never taken the first steps to get in the game, we would have never figured that out. I'd be 10 years older and I wouldn't be talking to you today because I'd still be working in my corporate career as frustrated as I ever was. And he's not just talking to the talk, guys. He, he's, he's doing it. Matt, thank you so much for coming on because I love it. I love your story and I think it's inspirational and the lessons you've shared are ones that I hope you guys will listen to and apply to your own life because I think it'll help. So thank you again, Matt. Yeah, Amy, thanks for having me on. And by the way, yeah, I, if you wouldn't mind, I, I'd love to uh, give something away to anybody in your audience who's interested. Sure. I wrote a short book called uh, Live Your Dreams, The Top 10 Reasons Why You Need to Own a Vending Business. And it just talks about some basic thoughts and principles about vending that most professionals have never considered before. And so if anybody in your audience has interest in it, they can go to a landing page we've set up just for Chasing Dreams listeners. It's ssvbusiness.com forward slash Chasing Dreams. They can download that for free and at a minimum, learn a little bit more about vending. And if they're interested in potentially learning more about what we're doing specifically with the franchise, we can begin a dialogue and go from there. That is so nice of you, Matt. Thank you so much, guys. That link will also be on the show notes page so you can check it out and reach out to Matt. Uh, We'll have information about that also. So you can do that and give back not only for yourself, but apparently to his schools as well. Matt, thanks again. Thanks, Amy. God bless you. Dream Chasers, that was Matt Miller. How many lessons can you pull out of that interview, guys? I mean, nonstop, he's he's doing it all now. I mean, we were talking just a few moments after the call and, you know, the comic books, he's, he's podcasting, you know, and he's using his passion and he's fought for it. And I'm sure, you know, in the, more than 10 years that he's worked towards this. He's probably wanted to quit now and then, but he kept at it and look at him today. Okay. So take that as an inspiration and just do it, do what you have to do to make it happen. And Matt is an example of that. And I'm really glad he was able to come to the show to share that information. And so you guys can find his free gift, the links to his comic book, Marlon and Percy, as well as all the other links we may have mentioned on the show at the show notes page over at chasingdreamshq.com slash episode 82. That's episode 82. Until next time, guys, in the words of Matt Miller, go do it. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. 
Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Chasing.